and he couldn't quite show that new heart. Christian author J. Allen Blair writes, this is precisely what the world is asking for those who claim to be reborn by the Spirit of God. We say we have a new heart in Christ, but the world asks to see the new heart. Being a Christian is more than preaching and shouting praises to God, both of which are good, but it is action, he says. We're going to speak about showing the world our new heart this morning. And we're going to do it by looking at three verses, just three short verses, but important verses that Paul has in his letter to the Philippians. It's Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Thanks, Kim. Got it. I don't want to spill it. Let's put it over here. That passage was read to you earlier, and uh, it's a very powerful passage. So we're going to look at it in terms of three guidelines for building Christian character. Christian character that is critical for us as disciples. Look at that first verse, verse 14. Short and do the, to the point. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. First word is grumbling. And I'm told, not being a Greek speaker, to my mother's chagrin, um, it, the word sounds like grumbling. It's uh, type of thing. It's murmuring. Uh, older versions of the NIV have it as complaining, but grumbling is a little better. And the second verse is arguing. It means reasoning, questioning, that type of thing. The first guideline is build all around harmony. Build all around harmony. Harmony in the church first. So let me ask you a question. Do Christians complain or grumble about other Christians? No. No. Unfortunately, we do. Do we argue? I remember going to a deacon's meeting years ago, different church, long time ago, and boy, did they argue. Argue over what paint to use and what window to change and all sorts of things. You name it, they argued over it. And I thought, is this the same group that's there on Sunday? I mean, what happened? Just because it happens to be a Wednesday night, what's going on? It sounds like this sometimes. I can't believe he is supporting that idea. I'm just so angry. Did you hear what the leadership has decided? Unbelievable. There's something about that woman I just can't get along with her. And we grumble. Sometimes we open our mouth and we grumble with other people. A louder grumble. Here's a biblical example. And it's astounding to read this because of who it was. It's from Acts 15, 36 to 39, and it concerns Paul and Barnabas. 
And it has to do with one of the authors of the gospel, Mark. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had, get this, such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Paul, Barnabas, Mark, a biblical example of that type of grumbling and arguing. The one sin often feeds into the other. You go from murmuring, which negatively affects you and other believers, and then it causes rifts in the church. Well, I'm not going to be there if, if they're going to be there. It's harmony. We need to work on harmony. But all around harmony, what do I mean by that? The passage has an additional meaning. It could be speaking about something that maybe hits a little closer to home. And that is complaining about and arguing with the Lord about how he's treating you. You feel the noose tightening around your neck a little? Pastor John MacArthur describes this attitude as an emotional rejection of God's providence. His will and his circumstances for one's life. Questionings or criticisms directed negatively toward God. Do you ever criticize God? Lord, this is the wrong time. That shouldn't happen. Why are you doing this to me? Harmony is horizontal, but harmony is vertical too. How we relate to our God. Listen to Moses talking to Israel, to the Israelites, and remembering what had gone on in the past when they were about to enter the promised land. But you were unwilling to go up to the promised land. You rebelled against the command of the Lord. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. God led them all the way to the very border of going into the promised land, the land that he had set up, made ready for them. And they wouldn't go. They began disagreeing with God's will, God's providence, God's love. He hates us. He's brought us out here to destroy us. We do this today in our own Christian lives. Something negatively comes in. We blame God. We question his will. And we fight his commands. You complain about God, what he is doing. You mumble under your breath to start with. Then you argue with him about his decisions. What does that do to our relationship with the Lord? New Testament professor A.T. Robertson wrote, Having committed our lives to the control of God's will, we are under orders 
It is unmilitary and peevish to fret at God's commands. Harmony with God. So we need the first thing to do is to build harmony into your character. First, with other Christians, and second, with God himself. The message paraphrases this verse as, do everything readily and cheerfully, no bickering, no second guessing. I like that. Second guideline, build a positive reputation. We see politicians on uh, TV, and they talk about their wonderful reputation, and then the newscasters dismantle that afterwards. Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault. What's blameless mean? It's a Christian life that cannot be criticized by unbeliever or Christian. Then there's the word harmless. The Greek word means unmixed. It's pure. And that's basically sin that you avoid or confess. And then it refers to children of God. That's the family resemblance you have to Christ. People sense that and see that in the way you live. And lastly, without fault. Remember in the Old Testament, they were always bringing sacrifices. And the Lord always said that that lamb was to be without blemish. Faultless. Without fault. Keep in mind that what we just talked about in terms of grumbling and arguing in our lives, if we fit that into our character, this part comes almost automatically. Become, by the way, is as soon as you accept Christ as your Savior, you're not automatically super Christian, in case you haven't noticed. What you find is it's a growth process. You see a child like Ethan, one year old. Maybe now it's two years, five years, ten years. He's growing up, he's maturing, getting stronger, getting smarter, getting wiser. That's the way we grow in the Lord, little by little. Choosing to obey because God has given us the power to choose to obey. We, were, we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and now we're free to live our life. Unfortunately, sin pulls us back. Our old nature pulls us back, and we go, mm, maybe I'll go the wrong way. But if we choose the right way as we go, you'll see the growth come. And then there's that phrase, uh, in a crooked and depraved generation. Crooked is, the Greek word, uh, is uh, the same word as we use for scoliosis, the curvature of the spine. So it's not to standard, it's crooked, there's something off. Depraved, this is probably one who has gone the wrong way so long that it's really severely twisted and distorted them. But really, do we really understand the world and the people in it to be bad? I knew a guy at a bank that I worked at and 
he lived a life better than most Christians, and yet he did not know the Lord. Is the world really that bad? Listen to what the Word of God says. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Okay. The Lord himself, Matthew 15, 19. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. What a description. Sin is in our human genetic makeup. The Bible says we were born in sin. We also have a tendency to sin because it's fun or pleasurable to us. That's why Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross to pay for that sin, to give us the freedom to walk away from it. We as believers must build this positive reputation so we can stand in contrast to those who are crooked and depraved. Not better than them. You've heard the expression, there but for the grace of God go I. You're no better than them. It's just you know something new. Christ is in you. God has saved you. Build a positive reputation into your character. It will show others that you have been with Christ. You remember when Peter and John were arrested and put on trial early in the book of Acts in the first days after Christ went home to the Father? They were astounded at what Peter said and what John said. The miracle had occurred, and then they figured it out. These unlearned fishermen had been with Christ. That's what makes you different. That's your reputation. And one last one. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. Build a strong witness. Build a strong witness. You know, I'm just real happy just coming here. I listen to Dick preach and we'll sing together and we'll have a great time. We'll fellowship. It's terrific. Witnessing? Eh, not so much into that. But one of the things you remember as you start reading the book of Acts is that Luke writes, these are the things Christ began to do, and we're continuing them. We are here to serve the Lord. We are here to live for the Lord. Look at 15 and 16, in which you shine like stars in the universe. The Amplified Bible has this phrase, is among you whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness. I am astounded that God would entrust to me, and perhaps you, to be a light to the world. Who am I, as David said, who am I and what is my family that you've blessed us, given us this opportunity, this, this chance to represent the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Maybe someone else, someone more mature in the Lord, someone smarter in the Scriptures, someone better living than me. Listen to these verses. Christ talking, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. One more. Paul again, Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. The phrase from that last verse in Ephesians suggests that shine has another shade of meaning. Not just we shine, but you have to shine. Hence, live as children of light. Paul is challenging us to focus our effort on shining. Shining out Christ's love to others in the world. They want to see your heart. My heart has been changed. Christ has forgiven me. Show me your heart. I like what the message has for this phrase. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Carry the light-giving message into the night. Carry the light-giving message into the night. And verse 16, as you hold out the word of life, as you hold out the word of life, consider the phrase hold out. This is a believer holding out or offering the gift of salvation in Christ to all they meet in life. Walking around uh, Rockefeller Center during the Christmas season, you have to be an idiot sometimes to do that. Um, <laughs> We did, and it's wall-to-wall people. You can't even make a left or a right. Wherever the herd is going, you go. But what would happen is salespeople would come up to you, and they'd hand you something. You figured they were handing it out, and you reached and you took it. Then they tell you how much it is and that you have to pay them for it. This is different. It's holding out, but it's holding out something new and exciting, a way to put your life back together again, a way to avoid sinning, a way to guarantee spending eternity with God himself. What we hold out should be both appealing and understandable. What do I mean by that? Remember the Apostle Paul, he went to Athens and he went on ahead of all of his uh, compatriots and he looked around and there were false gods everywhere, wall to wall, and even altars to gods. And he noticed one. And that altar was to the unknown God. What did he do? When he spoke before the council of people who just wanted to know what was going on and what he was all about, he began by saying, I saw an altar to the unknown God. 
the one you worship in ignorance, I came here to tell you about. He was creative, he was clever, and he made it understandable as he talked about the Creator. So you hold out the word of life, the gospel. Again, there's another shade of meaning here as well. The phrase in the ESV, English Standard Version, is holding fast to the word of life. Some of your translations might have that. Holding fast means both believing God's word and following it. So you hold forth the word of God, the gospel, what you know, what you are, and you can do it as you hold on to the word of God itself. So the third one is build a strong witness into your character, and God will use you, as the kids will tell you, show and tell today, show and tell. That's what our Christian life has got to be showing in the character traits that we have and telling them the good news of the word of life. So here's my challenge. Three guidelines, just three, in three verses. Build an all-around harmony. Upward and horizontally. With your brothers and sisters in Christ, and with the God who loves you. Build a positive reputation. That's so important. Blameless and pure. Oh, what does it matter? The world knows. I remember an experience of, of uh, college where I said some things I shouldn't have said because I was angry at God at the time. And the look I got on the face of someone next to me People around you notice what's going on. They're looking for hope, even as Kim prayed up here. Talking about young people. They were looking and are looking for an answer. You have it. Build a positive reputation. And lastly, build a strong witness. That's so important. Show and tell. So for the Christian... You say, I'm a Christian. I heard what you said. But I can't live the way Christ lived. I can't do what Paul said for me to do. I can't build that type of character. Here's an answer. A man went to Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English preacher of many years ago. And he said, you require too much of flesh and blood. Spurgeon replied, I require nothing of flesh and blood. I am preaching to people who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and that is different. That's the power. The power of the Spirit is ours, so we can build those three forms of Christian character. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The early church built their Christian character through God's Spirit. And so can you. And for someone who's here who's outside of Christ, does not know the Lord, the Bible is not your thing. 
I'm here to tell you, you cannot live the Christian life or anything resembling it without a relationship with the Savior. You cannot. This friend of mine did the best he could, but there were chinks in the armor. Better than me, but something was missing, and that's the relationship to the Savior. Sin is ever-present in your life if you do not know the Lord. You're born in sin, and you take pleasure in it. Christ died to pay the penalty for your sin and to free you to live what the Bible calls an abundant life. I see the heartache and difficulty that some people go through, and I wonder to myself, how could they make it without the Lord? You must accept this gift of Christ dying for you and paying for your sin personally. It may be a truth that's out there. We may put it up on the board. But you have to talk to God and say, I believe Christ died for me to pay for my sin. And that's a gift, and I want it. I invite you to do this when we pray this morning. And then share it with Pastor Dick, with me one of the elders or one of your good friends here. The best Christian character creates harmony, a positive reputation before others, and a strong witness to those outside the faith. Let's close this time in prayer. Father, our flesh and blood can't do it, and yet we need to show the world our new heart. We know the Holy Spirit is within us when we accepted Christ as Savior. We have the power. Father, we pray that you would bless us as believers to work on Christian character development, starting with these three traits. Lord, we look to you for help and for strength in this as believers, that others might see Jesus Christ in us and hear about him. May we be lights in the world. And Father, for those who know not Jesus Christ, this is not another religion. This is not just a pie in the sky. This is a real escape plan. This is the way to escape your sin, to escape a futile life by accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, even as I pray that, may they invite Jesus Christ into their life, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. Thank you for this time together as we continue in your presence. In Christ's name, amen.